new pope who dis welcome to the officially unofficial podcast for hbo's the young new and old popes <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that's what comes next right the church Got doesn't to. have time to worry about the old pope no the only concerns is of the new and the young uh, the the public seems to be very concerned about the old pope <laughs> who is actually the young pope uh we're here to talk about season one of the new pope episode two the second episode is what it's called or something mm -hmm. uh I don't know. The naming conventions on this confuse me still. It's week two. What'd you guys think of? Uh, should I should I introduce myself? I'm Jim. I'm I'm Aaron. I'm really Cecily. Intro. I'm I'm the father. <laughs> I'm the son. <laughs> and I'm the the holy Aaron. There we go. What'd you think of this episode? Uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. This show is. I feel like it's got so much symbolism. Every single scene and shot and word spoken has so much symbolism in it. And I felt like I had a decent handle on the first episode, mm. but this one, not so much. There's a few things that escaped me. I, uh, oh, oh God, I'm sorry. I, uh, I was going to ask off. which scenes, but maybe we should, maybe we should just do general thoughts and then get into that. Yeah. yeah. I, I continue to really like it. I have, uh, it, it's, um, it's interesting because I was getting on the new Pope subreddit says I think called the young Pope uh, and it seems like uh, there's a lot of people that are unhappy with this season uh, I was also surprised to see that like I guess in Europe they've got access to episode three and four already I, I thought that they oh, were really yeah I thought they did they were this season they were going to get it like a couple days early but not yeah. but yeah they're on episode three or four so I guess I'm gonna have to like uh, excommunicate myself from the online discussion because I don't want to be spoiled um I continue to really like it, and I, I think that there is a lot of differences in this season from last season, but of course there would be. Like, mm -hmm. it's four years of history have elapsed, and the world's in a different place, and uh, this guy's got different things he wants to say. Um, but I continue to think it's great. Like, I think that they're doing a lot of stuff of really interesting things around sexuality and uh, like grief and depression and fear of the other, uh, honestly, that uh, feels very... Uh, I'm... Sometimes I get scared watching this show. Like, oh God, what is this guy doing? What's going to be? What are people's reactions going to be? At? What are people going to think about it? Um, but that's art, you know. Yeah. Like it sometimes feels scary and dangerous. Uh, but I continue to think it's just. I laugh out loud every single like. I don't know if it's appropriate to, but some of the stuff that <laughs> Sir John gets up to, just the. <laughs> the extremes of the grief that his family are displaying is just as shocking and odd as like the extremes of wealth that uh, are on display mm -hmm. and the, like the, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the sexuality. Um, and that's all got to mean something, but that's what I'm always uh, like, like, what does it mean yeah. that he's showing these guys at this chicken, these, these very obviously ethnic guys at this chicken joint with their arms crossed and frowny faces watching this <laughs> young girl dance for this old, you know, political papal operative. Like, what does it fucking mean? Yeah, especially that's, that's one of the scenes, especially on off the scene where you've got this rollaway cart TV showing this uh, Muslim extremist terror rant to an empty room that gets shut off, mm -hmm. uh, backdropped against Europe's quote unquote immigration crisis. Like, what does it all mean? What does it all mean? I don't know. I'm scared yeah. to find out. I mean, they're they're obviously building, you know, a lot of the the pressures on the church, right? In modern days. Um, but yeah, I find myself also questioning what the hell does that mean, especially that scene that was maybe the most confusing scene in this entire episode. 
Uh, and it's the one that runs over the end credits. Well, it also reminds me of last season's into episode four, which I went back and watched where they had the prime minister, I think, of Greenland. Greenland come in and, you know, her and, and Lenny have a little sparring about who was the first in Greenland and who is the natives and who are the colonizers. And that episode ends with this lady dancing to this, I think, uh, Greenland pop song uh, with this text that explains that Greenlanders are irrepressible dancers. Uh-huh. What did that, that, as far as I know, that didn't mean anything. So yeah, normally when you see something like this, in this show, I think they're playing with just, you know, power dynamics in yes. in religion and sexual relationships and like how those things all intermingle in a very visual way. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool. But like the Greenland thing is very confusing. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. what are they trying to say about the Greenlanders? I, I that's it's anyone sometimes, like I said, and the thing about like the kangaroo mm-hmm. or like uh, the nuns dancing in the opening credits, like yeah. women dancing means something uh-huh. that's not quite clear. And it's it's not quite sexuality. And, and there's this very like modern cross, right? It's like yeah. it's a mm-hmm. cross, but it's flashing with these this modern light and very uh, just visually arresting imagery it's like what are they getting at and they're showing it from different angles we question whether it would be the same intro every time it sort of is but they're showing everything from different angles Mm -hmm. every time uh at least so far i don't know what it means i was thinking um when i was watching like the heaving mass of nunnery and some of the other (laughs) overtly sexual things that were talked about both good and bad um Mm -hmm. in this episode i was thinking about the the fred rogers pseudo biopic we saw a beautiful day in a neighborhood and uh, mr rogers assertion that if it's human it's mentionable if it's mentionable it's manageable and how at odds that is like you know obviously mr rogers is a man of faith but how odds that how at odds that is with a lot of versions of christianity especially the catholic churches depicted on this show Mm -hmm. that like these things these human impulses can't even be mentioned they must be denied church uh, you know popes (laughs) are uh uh, priests are not allowed to marry, let alone be married to a gay man. And or to that point, like Adam, the dead brother of John, he's mentioned every single day for 40 years, yet that grief is unmanageable. Yeah. <laughs> Because it mm-hmm. is, or there's something, there's something short-circuited in that, and like you know what what Mister Rogers is talking about in a healthy way to resolve conflicts and stuff. There's something, there's something sick or unhinged or unbalanced in that approach. And I kept on thinking about that, in in like that's. That is uh, like, like you know, the Bible talks about a house divided against itself can't standing. How can you presume to rule over humanity if you deny basic tenets of humanity? Yeah. Like, how can you ever hope to, to have that as a stable source of power? I don't know. I mean, it's clearly they're painting a picture of the Catholic Church that is crumbling. Like, that's what the show is doing. Yeah. Um, And whether or not it'll reach a resolution where they figured out some equilibrium or whether they're going to go off the deep end in either direction, whether you go the direction of uh, Francis II or Pius XIII or whatever way they're going to take it, will that destroy it? Like, what's the end game for the show? I have no idea. Are they going to take it to that conclusion or are they just going to sort of leave it with questions? I met, big question marks are I mean, they gonna say something about yeah. the way the catholic church should go or or potentially will go or are they just gonna kind of throw it all out there and let you decide for yourself is apollo sorrentino or sorrento sorrentino. sorrentino um 
I think the safe would thing would be to have the season end in a bunch of questions. Yeah. But like, I don't know how safe he particularly feels. He might actually Not have at all some things to, to say. Because honestly, yeah. just some of these things like showing a pope that does divest a church of its wealth and wants to take, you know, use its vast property holdings to 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 uh, house people who are in need like that's already super fucking yeah, dangerous that's a molotov the saint peter's basilica and it's, that's it's, like- <laughs> and it's not just a catholic church this is like the joel olsteins who closed his church to hurricane victims yeah. when his community was struck like that's not christ-like no. man hmm. i read the bible a lot back in my youth and i know what the man taught and it was not that it was not slamming the door shut in the poor and the hungry and the needy yeah. the people that need food and clothing and shelter um like just saying that and and the fact that you know uh the cardinals all had him assassinating there's the scene of like you know all these like kind of like pigs at the trough like getting all their gold and their crosses and things back and putting the rings on their fingers mm-hmm. like that's dangerous. That's a mm-hmm. very dangerous uh, uh, thing to throw around because it's it's holding the church account for its actions and its lack of in, uh, uh, action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially as an Italian where the, the country is predominantly Catholic. Can I ask you, so this seems like it's a, it's something to talk about. Uh, they ask Branix what he thinks love is, and he tells mm-hmm. this parable, which is very Christ-like, about, you know... Uh, the politician says, let me help you. The doctor says to this indigent man dying on the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, the doctor says, let me cure you. Uh, his daughter says, let me give you money to get you indoors. And his friend says, let me share this bottle of wine with you. And the church says, I'm thinking about you. Mm-hmm. I was talking about this with Cecily, and she said that she interpreted that as the church is the one showing love because everyone else is trying to help, but the church is like, you know, actually keeping a person in their thoughts. Right. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, you know, a friend could share their wine and provide some temporary relief. Someone, Mm -hmm. all these people are offering solutions, but the church is the one that keeps them in their thoughts. And that's his interpretation of love, maybe? That's how I read it, too. The same way he loves the church, and he's going to keep the church in his thoughts, and that's how he's going to come to the correct answer is because he loves it. I'll admit to not totally understanding what he was getting at, but that's how I read it as well. Well, I'm not going to... Do you you have a different interpretation? Yeah, I'm not going to adventure that I know what they're talking about because this show is pretty opaque, but... (laughs) Yeah, all of these things have a flag of like, this is my interpretation (laughs) and my thoughts. There's a passage, I think, in James about, uh, you know, the faith without works is dead because Mm -hmm. there's no, you know, you can say, everyone can say they have faith, but unless that faith has an impact in your life... Yeah. And there's a lot of different ways to, to, to interpret that. But if I take that into that, you have people like a doctor offering to cure someone is an, a manifestation of love. Because if mm-hmm. you didn't care, then you'd be like, well, fucking die in the streets. The politician saying, let me try to help you uh, is a manifestation of love. A, a friend just commiserating with you and sharing the good things he has in his life. Whereas the church says, well, I'll just keep you in your thoughts. Like that's the very close to the thoughts and prayers yeah. that is thrown around to Often and and it's also bookended with him saying, "I'm going to." And this is so why I think Sir John is so brilliant. He's <laughs> he says something along the lines of, "I'm going to go and think about, or I'm going to try to discover the answer already in my heart." Mm-hmm. And while I do it, I'll be thinking about the church. <laughs> I don't think he loves the church. He's also someone who represents the middle hmm. way, but he's a man of just incredible wealth and opulence and even he and he luxuriates and everything especially his depression yeah and this is a person that we can relate to but at the same time not he doesn't have to see his parents because they have separate wings in their own house right uh so he's the closest thing to some sort of 
middle way for the church, but I don't That's know. Yeah, I was I was so torn in that scene because like yeah. on the one hand, I look at I I look at Brannix and I say, okay, this is a man who's going to try and teach a lesson to these people potentially. He's he's clearly a deep philosophical thinker, um, and so when he goes on to a parable, I presume that he's trying to make an overt point to these people. However, I didn't consider the possibility that he is he is trying to make that point by sort of obfuscating the truth within his comment, like or sort of like presenting a a false picture of what he's trying to say, so that they will correctly identify that's false. And call him out on it or feel that dissonance and so i think like in that scene that's what i was feeling like something is not right here because i don't think that's love i don't think like sitting by and sending your thoughts and prayers is love in any way so like what he's saying i think should be teaching them a lesson about love but when he says it and i go that's not love i try and like sort of flip on my head what could he be talking about here that would make that make sense and it, it might be a thing where it purposely doesn't make sense. And that's the point. It's supposed to stir within you some feelings of like, it just upset you. It's a, it's supposed to make you feel bad about what he just said, right? Yeah. And also, I think there's something also that, that Christ did in his parables is like, there was a, there's a seemingly correct answer that the parable baits, but it's also like if you, yes you know, it's like a lot of times Jesus would get these Pharisees tied in the knots because he would lay something out that's like, if you say the right answer, it'll betray how unloving and foolish right. your teachings are. Or, or to them, that's you know? the correct answer. To yeah. Jesus, the correct answer is very different. Right. Um, and I felt like, but the, the other things is uh, clearly... Uh, Sir John Brannix is playing games with them. Like, mm -hmm. there's some gamesmanship involved with them showing up late at night, having to leave the next morning, and being like, "Well, I'm sorry, I go to bed at 10:30." Yeah. When we see him later on the night, he's up late playing harp and you know being denied. What is everyone on the same page that this silver box is like a heroin kid? I gotta I be so. Yeah, yeah. It's some kind of good night medicine uh -huh. that he indulges in for sure. Um. So like. I don't know. And the other thing that I don't understand, and maybe this is a desperation, but like, why does Viello and the rest of the Cardinals think that this guy is the surefire solution to Pope? Because this guy, like, you know, I, like, especially I, after seeing him, like, yeah, yeah, like there if, and... as they're knocking on his door, if there's like a black cloud in the shape of a skull with like thunder <laughs> claps of lightning, like, this seems like their doom. Like, uh -huh. he. He's saying that he thinks the Pope Pius the Thirteenth was a was a great Pope, and he's talking about the things that uh, you yeah. know Francis the Second did. Like, why? Just because he preaches the middle way, why do they think that this guy isn't going to do everything else? Once he, this guy already wields power effortlessly in conversations, mm -hmm. in his estate, uh, everywhere except, I guess, his relationship <laughs> with, his, with with his parents. In the church, obviously, he's converted a bunch of angelical uh, angelicans. Anglicans. Yeah. Anglicans. Um, I don't know why they think that other than he's the only pope they can build consensus around. And there's also big part. this other faction of people, the Sophia's husband, Thomas, that we're introduced to for the first time, and the Italian f minister of finance that also think that they can control Brannix once he gets to be the pope. With his terrible yeah. secrets? And it's there's like, that scene in that beautiful... Uh, yeah. Uh, drinking bunker <laughs> drink, drinking bunker what's the what's the term for cellar yeah. like, yeah. that cellar is a cruciform cellar yeah, yeah. yeah 
but yeah, I don't, I don't know that they'll be able to control Brannix. I mean, as as the Pope, the Pope has so much power. They imply yeah. that Brannix is gay or perhaps bas- bisexual. Uh, just based on Do like they? a Sente's reverence of him. He wrote Sente a 36-page letter, uh-huh. well, which way, could just be the way he talks to everybody, which I would believe. And but... the way he says, we spent many a fruitful night in quiet prayer and yes, contemplation. Okay. And then we find... So I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get last year that Guterres was also gay. Uh-huh. I don't. I think yeah, you were supposed Al- to know before right now when yeah. he knocks on his door. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm. That's something he very much struggles with. I think even more than just like a religious aspect because uh-huh. apparently Gutierrez was raped by an atheist at, right. when he was young. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm sure that's got a lot of uh, mixed feelings within him, right? Uh huh. Sure. Like if if he if he is actually gay, then man the the psychological baggage that that uh-huh. event must just constantly weigh on him. That's yeah. another thing I thought, like I got a little bit like a, like I'm looking over like, wow, there is so many complicated things you can say about this, re- these relationships with the, you know, like yeah. they kind of show Guterres as being a virtuous person for turning down the other priest. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't know that I, like, I don't agree with the Catholic teaching of, you know, pr- a priest having to be chased. B- but he does. But he, I, I yeah, no, I understand. Right? Like, yeah, he yeah. does, and he's not being cruel about it, but it's like one of those things where I watch and I see these men being miserable for what I can see is no right. good reason, but they see this as a de- act of a devotion and as a dedication of their entire life, not just a small yeah. part of it, but their entire aspect of being towards this service. Mm-hmm. But when I see that and then I see how hypocritical they are it's like man you're really yeah that's not i I keep coming back to jesus words like that's the whole idea of like straining the gnat to gulp down the camel Uh like i'm not gonna have gay sex but i will sit in this lap of uh, of opulent luxury while europe burns because we can't figure out what to do with these people that need our you know they eject the immigrants or or the refugees don't they almost immediately yeah Yeah. they reject them i wasn't clear because i I think that's what's happening when the the kid sneaks off and he's like like, all of them are being sent out he's sneaking off onto the grounds of the vatican yeah because i think he's in love with one of the nuns i don't don't know he's in love but I, i think he just doesn't want to go back to his situation yeah i feel like they're just showing like microcosm stories like the nun that one particular nun and the refugee had a moment where they met eyes Mm -hmm. but the nun is also having battling her own struggle of her mother dying right and the refugee i think was praying in a garden yeah so i think that will continue to get the idea of what these groups of people are doing by showing how they're living in the vatican together Mm -hmm. i I don't know how long he's going to stay there but Seems like a placeholder for all of these people. Yeah. I loved how completely, this is another thing why I don't understand why Violo Violo thinks that this is the way to go, is just how even not being the Pope as equals, Brannick's just, Mm -hmm. Violo has no idea what to do with this guy. Like, he's like, oh, we should do conversation. Uh, You know, it's the only way to get to know people. Oh, there's always love at first sight and... (laughs) amorous uh, passion silent and savage well that would make me feel uncomfortable like which i think is a pretty good joke given the situation yeah, yeah. and then he bookends it at the end when he walks away and says when are we going to see each other again he says oh that's something a lover would say <laughs> a lover's question Viello. Yeah. i mean he's got this guy he yeah. has no idea he's trying like every single like i feel like Viello. um 
steals himself for every conversation. It's like, okay, this is the mm. one where I'm going to get him on to pin him down. Mm. And uh, John, Sir John always just spins him around and he's somehow points the wrong direction, you know? Yeah, it's weird to me because he's overtly, like at that dinner scene, um, mm. Brannix is overtly saying we're, we're potentially going to have a new Secretary of State when I'm Pope, yeah, if you make me Pope. Yeah. And, and he's looking around the room and he's looking at Gutierrez, who would probably make, you know, a, a decent uh, Secretary of State. Uh-huh. And he seems to be saying a lot of the right things, right, that, that Brannix likes to hear. He's, he's, say, mm-hmm. he's speaking what is in his heart. Yes, and, and a, a certain truth from uh-huh. a certain perspective. Uh-huh. Um, and one that Brannix also comes from, I think. Voyola should be very concerned about this guy. Yeah. And he... He seems to be ignoring all the signs. I'm with you. I, I don't understand why this guy is still the pick when Voyola right. goes there, he's steamrolled, he's told in no in in pretty certain terms that he's not gonna be the Secretary of State once he's Pope. Yeah. Or there's a I don't threat. Know why there. is, there's a big threat, yeah. Well I think that's the only pick that they can get through because well, it's he, either him hernandez i mean yes or so hernandez Brannix. wasn't even there and he still got the majority of the vote so it's like throw in behind Brannix and do your best yeah well and that's the thing is like i think there's something interesting there that between hernandez and Vuelo, they could have a pope that they both would probably agree to but they'd have to agree to share power yeah. and get behind each other and that's just unthinkable no, yeah mm-hmm. all right well whether we're, we're, that's well, that's the crazy option let's put that off the shelf yeah and they're now too different go. they're too different but it, <laughs> i guess it's, that's it's, another question why would hernandez go along with this because he's not gaining anything from this is he uh yeah but he knows Does he that think he, he can manipulate the new he can't beat Pope? viello's like uh you know ironclad control of the vatican card faction right. of cardinals i think so it's like it's like they're in a stalemate and they could agree to share power which obviously is out of the question or they could go but when I, I, I think about like how Vielo and even I'll throw in someone I think is very perceptive, um, like Sophia, they're both trying to sell this potential new pope on like, oh, go to Rome. It's so much more joyful and it's a smaller state and you get away from these parents. The weather's but, great. <laughs> but Guterres like leans into like, well, the uncomfortable truth is that the new pope is a uh, being a pope is a, being a martyr. Yeah. And after uh, you know Pope Lenny, it's it's also a burden. And then after Francis II, it's it's scandalous and suspect. Mm-hmm. And that is what appeals. That's the part of the job that appeals to this yeah. guy who likes to, he likes to luxuriate in depression the way Francis wanted to have a luxuriating soak in poverty. Yeah. Um, and the Viola dismissing uh, uh, Guterres is very accurate psychological ploy here. I thought is just telling. It's mm-hmm. it's it's weird how and he made the same mistake with the previous pope, nominating this well liked yeah. American kind of dilettante that they thought would be so easy to control. Like it's kind of amazing they're they're making the same mistake twice. Um, but yeah, I think it, that too is something they're trying to say. It really makes me question how Viola got the job in the first place given that he seems so oblivious and seems so incapable of persuading anyone of anything, uh, every person we've seen him interact with has steamrolled him. Mm-hmm. From the Pope to the marketing professional to uh, cardinals on his level to cardinals below him, like people without his station in the Vatican. like He's just getting run over at every opportunity, and he never seems to have a very good comeback. It seems, though, that this is like um, we never saw Viola at his heights, right? We saw all of his schemes Fair. fail against Linny because Linny is like a pope unlike anything else. I, I think they're trying to say is that there was like this 
papal machinery that everyone kind of decided to go along with, and it broke down with Lenny. He's the first one that said, nope. And then they go with the Pope Francis II, who was going to be back in that mold of a weak, easy-to-control pope, and then accidentally, because of the Holy Spirit came and took his notes, he got his (laughs) ideas of how he can flex power, Mm -hmm. and they're now stuck in the cycle to where... Like, I, I thought it was interesting what Brannock said about, like, you want me to, the church is naked and bereft, and you want me to clothe her with my middle way. But before we clothe her, we have to examine her body for disease and figure out what's, mm-hmm. and those other popes like, no, 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 that's not what we want to do. We just want to clothe <laughs> yeah. everything. That's what Francis did. We don't want that. We need a, we need a moderate here to just pay, to just wallpaper over this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um but it is weird how nobody, like, as much as I like Sophia, uh, and I kind of want to talk about that here in a bit, her and her husband are pretty wrong-headed too. I, I don't know what big secret they think they have over this pope, like, yeah. or I guess a potential new pope. Um, you... It seems that some suspect details around the death of his brother. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, this is a suggestion from Hernandez, right? This new pope, uh, John Malkovich. So mm-hmm. you have to wonder... Given that this doesn't change much of his station in within the Vatican, why would he go and suggest a, a power split here with a person who's already more powerful than him? He either doesn't care about the power, which I don't think is true because he's running for the Pope here. Yeah. Uh, and or he has some other, you know, secret agenda behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. He has a plan B, right? And and Voyello is following hook, line, and sinker for it. I want to talk about before, and this could be part of that. Why we're still talking about Sir John, his backstory, because if you pay attention, you find that like he had a very well loved brother mm-hmm. uh, that died around the age of twenty five. If you look at like the shrine that his parents have built, there's like a priest's uh, frock. Um, there's tennis trophies. There's a bunch of photos with Sir John cut out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that implies that both of these brothers were priests, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. I don't know why it's it's also funny that Adam is the favorite when they're identical twin they're the twin brothers um and they both seem like they're doing it like I like what I would love to know more about like this kind of Gattaca situation then, except for their twins you yeah know? and mm-hmm. Sophia goes into his private room at some point and sees pictures of John at around that same age b- being kind of like a punk see i thought yeah. he was like in high school age in those photos he might i don't been. think so because he was alone in all of the pictures uh, so maybe there was a reaction to his brother's death or and it, that happens post seminary school though because like 25 you're probably i mean death changes you <laughs> no i get it but then how do you have time to swerve back and to become a cardinal of his stature okay yeah clear this up for me that was supposed to be Brannock's John Brannock's I think so unless it's Adam and we don't like that's I mean I I was very confused by like which one was which in any given scene yeah because they don't look anything like John Malkovich um, right and they're twins so like how much would they look like each other I don't know yeah Yeah. because they don't say they're identical twins but but or do they? No, they no, don't. They don't. But twins. they could be. Yeah. Um. Or could, they could be intended to. Yeah. I think. And I think some of that's intentional. Mm-hmm. Like you know when I I remember um, you know because Sir John says I love my brother as much as anyone, and then later there's a scene of like them on horseback considering their manner and like you know they're uh the one brother's laying on the other uh on horseback uh in a very familiar intimate way, and I'm like, 
yeah, what are because it wouldn't surprise me if that actually was Adam. Yeah, I mean it, the that line where he says, "I, I don't want there to be any question." I definitely love my yeah. brother. Yeah, makes me think that he had some very serious part to do with him dying. Mm-hmm. But he also that implies he carries that a lot of guilt around about too. My, my yeah. parents blame me for not trying harder to save my brother some fateful winter morning in 1985, and implying like the whole I, the theme of blame there makes it seem like he's wrongfully blamed. Yeah, maybe um, they maybe they dipped out of seminary school, got into the punk scene, started doing heroin, and one of them overdosed. Oh shit! Well, I was wondering that is like maybe if his brother was the rebellious one, but maybe his son somehow since he was the golden child, it was all blamed on Sir John, and and that's Sir John's maybe. private shrine to his Man, brother, like maybe. the real brother. That yeah. shed a totally different light on his uh, sleeping habits. Let's say, yeah. yeah, if that were the case, yeah. yeah. Also. Did a centipede literally crawl into his father's ear, or was this some kind of... I don't know. Can we talk about the spiritual aspects of the show? Like, Lenny, despite being in a coma, is an active participant in this season. Yeah, he seems Pope. to be the angel on their shoulder. They're all sort of, thinking sort of. about him. It's not... And, yeah, yeah. It's, it's everyone that's thinking about him. Mm-hmm. Like, Viello, obviously, but, like, in a weird... Like, he's helping... Lenny's helping him start a fire. Yep. He's helping Guterres maintain... Uh, strong with his version of the faith. He's takes the box away from Brannix. Takes the box away from Brannix. Mm-hmm. But I also like, I don't know if that's literally true um, because the way it would not surprise me yeah. that there's a famous like Renaissance painting of like the Apostle Paul being struck blind Reaching on the for road. A syringe. Uh, okay. yeah. <laughs> but being struck blind on the road to Damascus heroin by Christ, you know, because the way he had to kind of like, I, I wonder yeah, if he yeah. did that himself, but he was like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, maybe the box was just out of his reach, and in his mind, he was thinking of Lenny, and he was yeah. thinking of the decision of becoming the Pope, and I think he was rejecting it in that moment. And, and what was like, he doing be. with Sophia, like rolling her over onto her back after he just got done talking to Gutierrez about, you know, ple- like pleasure just leads to pain later? Oh, yeah. I think one of the things they're going to try to establish is Lenny as a saint. Like I think that Lenny is eventually going to die. Sure. One of there's there's a couple of requirements to becoming a saint. You have mm-hmm. to have like a certified miracle that you've accomplished, which you already did last season. Yeah, and I think you have to have three post death appearances. Okay, um, which seems huh. to already have happened. Now he just has to die, and he can become a saint. Yeah. Um, so that's what I think is happening. I don't. I I think that like Sir John, maybe he reached for it and he bumped it away, or maybe. The butler, they show the butler taking the box away the next night. So it could be hmm. that the butler did it and he's just not admitting it. Like The butler always did it. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. I mean, they yeah. had a conversation about it on the grass. He says, why didn't you bring me my box? He said he did. And then he says, mm-hmm. I couldn't find it, but I slept anyway. And yeah, he but- says that was a, maybe that was a sign. So I think he's helping him with this decision to not need it anymore. That's an hmm. interpretation of it what is. we saw. In the, but like I said, if you like, there's a lots of rooms for things to be, because like, are there real miracles in the show? I guess is right. the, this is like the leftovers type question. I mean, the Esther thing is about as close as I've seen to yeah. something that I would describe as a miracle. In the right. show. What's going on with Esther? Because like, it seems like her husband has left her. Yeah. She's, she's a she's little bereft. down the dumps. Like she's um, taking menial jobs, cleaning churches. She's selling, selling the same story. story over and over for increasingly yep. less or decreasingly less amounts. It makes uh, you wonder if she's going to start selling them different stories of Lenny. 
for money. Or oh, if Lenny boy. makes an appearance Lies. to her. And no, she's no gonna I mean, she get... has a lot of experiences yeah. with Lenny that weren't that yeah, one miracle. That's true. The time book. I tried to seduce the Pope. There's that one failed. time he wore a papal running suit right by my house and stared in the window while I had sex with my husband. That, that was weird. <laughs> that was very weird. Well, that's what I'm wondering. I would like, pay money for that story. <laughs> but, you know, he that would be like if she cashes in on that relationship, it would be in violation of what Lenny told her to do, mm-hmm. which is to let some of this stuff be mystery and... So uh, that's, I think that's an interesting question. Like, you know, is Linny supernatural? Are these things happening? Um, I want to talk about Sophia's sexuality because I saw a lot of bad takes, I think, on the internet about, I think this is a totally fundamentally different Sophia this season because she's on her knees getting jerked off on and she's rubbing cell phones on her vagina. She's teasing the monks in the garden. She's teasing the monks in the garden. She would, and I'm like... What is it? I mean, if you think that, that's fine, and I'm not picking a fight with you. I'm just going to interject another uh, alternate hypothesis, which is a strong, confident, powerful, successful woman could, behind closed doors with her lawfully married husband, get freaky in a bunch of different ways sexually, and that's okay, and it doesn't yeah. destroy her character. It doesn't make her weaker. What, what it doesn't was, make her... What was her character before? Because I always viewed her as a sort of corruptive outside influence though though one that maybe was less potent than the corruptive inside influences yeah. like i and i i don't mean corruptive in a negative evil bad way mm-hmm. what i mean is just subversive yeah right. different than the church definite the... sexual energy between her and Linny, but Linny yeah. is a pure being that could not be corrupted by any kind of human vice apparently so it... yeah she's the marketing director so she's uh-huh. in charge of putting your face on plates and lighters and things like that and she's yeah a manifestation of lust and greed in that kind of way uh-huh. but absolutely, not absolutely yeah i mean what i'm saying is we didn't know anything about her private life last season so no, how right. did anything like it like the only way that would change your opinion to know what she does behind closed doors with her husband is if you think that that inherently makes a person bad or wrong or weak. The fact yeah. that like... Just because you've seen what she does behind closed doors? Yeah, and it doesn't even seem like... Like there's definitely... It seems like her husband and her likes to play with sexual power dynamics, right. but not in like it's... You know, the only, the difference between creepy and like really fucking sexy is consent. And yeah. they're both like... And it, it seems like that maybe she's turning the power dynamic on her, on him... With the phone sex stuff, like I thought it was, and I that's was what shocked. That scene with seducing the monks is about, yeah. Right? yeah. She's her using with her them. power, yeah. Or like, exactly. Even that scene where he jerks off on her, she changes her suit and she comes back. She says, "Your only mission in life is giving me pleasure." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, for you to think that she's not willing or consenting in any of that is a bad take. <laughs> and and not only that, but like to think that like that she would do that makes her a weaker, less powerful, less like destroys her character from last season is extraordinarily bad take. The only the only thing I saw though is like there's some people um concerned with the actor herself like you know, there's a lot being made about like, you know, people being forced into nude scenes and nude contracts and like sexual things that they're not comfortable with on screen. If there's any evidence of that, that like Paolo Sorrento is like, hey, we're gonna need you yeah. to take your top off and rub a foot self on your pussy. And she's like, I'm not comfortable with that. It's like, fuck you. It's art. You're gonna have to get comfortable. That's gross. And sure, I would support sure. it. But, but there's zero evidence. That, people yeah. like are having that take and there's zero evidence. Uh, For all we know, she went to Paolo and said, put, put me in this scene. Like, can I write the scene? Or she saw the script and like, fuck yeah. Yes, I want to do that. That yeah, seems like we know a, literally nothing about it, as yeah. far as I'm aware. Yeah, uh, but I will say that, in that scene, I like maybe she gets off on this, but 
I've seen enough Scooby-Doo to know <laughs> that you, when there are that many paintings in a room, someone's got eyes behind it. <laughs> someone is watching. Well, I mean, it was definitely for, filmed as like an exciting voyeuristic. Right. Absolutely. She was excited by all these, the noblemen yeah, watching her. All these saints these and saints luminary and, yeah. figures with their kind of, and the way they picked out the expressions, like they're all kind of like, oh. <laughs> it's, it's the same it's thing they did with the, the chapel last exactly yeah. exactly um it's amazing so yeah i thought that was a bad take on sophia and uh if you know there's a lot of people like oh it's i think a lot of people are uncomfortable with those scenes especially juxtapos juxtaposing them with the the uh the profane the quote-unquote profane and vulgar with the holy yes. and and uh spiritual yeah. yeah it's not without reason and there's been plenty of horror stories of you know questionable consent and things but sure this yeah, sure is I think this is what it looks like when it's done right and artfully and tastefully. Yeah. I, I did a little bit of research on Cardinal Newman. Okay, yeah. The did middle you, the middle way? Yeah, so this middle way. So Cardinal Newman is a, a real cardinal. Uh, it, it, if you didn't catch it in the episode, this is the philosophical influence for Brannock. Not his literal mentor because this guy died in like the early, the late 19th late eight, century. 1800s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he, he just... Much like you know, Francis II was was very into the teachings of Francis I, and uh, it's the same thing here. Um, and Cardinal Newman, apparently, this middle way is, as best I could tell from like fifteen minutes of Wikipedia reading, uh, is essentially a middle way between religious knowledge and sort of physical knowledge. I, I won't wouldn't quite call it secular knowledge because I don't think they would use those terms mm -hmm. um but newman is a guy who tried to establish in the in the middle 1800s a sort of school in oxford that would teach the middle way and he met a lot of resistance from the church because that that was very much not something they were super interested in they they wanted it to be religious teachings primarily yeah not, not to cede any power to the physical right and he wanted to kind of blend the two because he saw the value in both right um, and so it's interesting because he was actually an Anglican convert to Catholicism and there's much ado about that in this episode, how Brennix has converted so many Anglicans, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what exactly they're getting at with that other than this middle way being some blend of, you know, how you could see Francis and how you could maybe see, uh, you know, the, the. T the changing times, right? The thing that's yeah. that's How consternating can you the church at the between moment. the corrupt, scandal plagued church before yeah. and the weirdly, uh, you know, Christ-like manifestations that Linny and uh, 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 Francis II were showing. Like it's a, like like um, Viello's trying to course. He's trying to just steer back towards the middle. Something he sees exactly. as sustainable. Yeah, and I think it's also telling that the priests are talking about like. You know, Brannock is the one who can bridge our past and our present, and then Guterres is. But what of our future? No, it wasn't Guterres. It was the 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 fat the fat cardinal. Yeah, I don't know his name. Uh, yeah, I, um, I, I, I can see him in Aguirres Aguirre. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't like mean that. to disparage like, him. What of the future? Cool. And he's like, oh, the church doesn't consider doesn't concern itself with the future. Like, <laughs> yeah, you should be. That should be the one thing you are concerned with. Maybe ditch but, the past. And go with the future because that's what you need. But yeah. that's the thing is like I think that's actually probably I mean, Jesus is always saying, Don't worry about the future. God's got you, you know? Like don't yeah, like the God knows that the there's a time of day where all this is gonna be swept away anyway. Don't worry about it. You mm -hmm. know, just learn from your past and live in the present. Like I I think that's kind of official church that it does seem to these atheist ears 
foolish as fuck. But I constantly look at this show and I go, how much do these people believe the things they're saying? Man. Do they believe the doctrine? Do they believe it? Because like, yeah, in some ways they live it. In other ways, they definitely don't. Like, Mm -hmm. I think Viola was like genuine when he talks about like uh, Esther, not Esther. uh, Sophia is like, oh, think of how many lighters I could sell with this. Uh-huh. The Pope flipping off people in a mohawk, and he's like, I'm thinking about how many souls we'll yeah. deal in. Like, I do think he sees his roles like, I have to be the thing. Yeah, but that, does he that, mean souls or does he mean pocketbooks? Like, I. That's yeah. a great question. Yeah, I don't fucking know with these guys. Yeah. Yeah. One and, and the and same. We saw from last season, Viello's also capable of being moved and inspired. Like, it's yeah. not completely dead. Uh, Did you think there was a bit of foreshadowing? There was a scene of Voyello and uh, Brannock meeting for the first time, mm-hmm. and Voyello is standing there, framed with a chandelier right behind him, with his hand behind his hands behind his back, as if he's a hanging man, is what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, you the, think that was a bit of like way... foreshadowing. Brannock takes over, Voyello's out, it could or could totally he literally be. die. Yeah, yeah, because like 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 Jim was saying, he also kind of made a table threat about. Uh-huh. Oh, it sounds like you're a future church of state to the younger yeah. uh, gay cardinal and i wouldn't put oh i thought he said that to, to make fun of him well but to speak to to say that out loud in front of the existing secretary of state that like hey there's a guy younger and hungry i don't know i thought I mean, he was saying asente said you sound like a future pope already and he said you sound like a cardinal of state i thought he was saying implying that he was just kissing ass well like boyello does it works both oh. ways just it, mm. I that's think how it, i interpret it i think that. it works both ways like uh, saying you blame god for everything and giving cr- god credit for everything it's like they kind of seem you can't mm-hmm. say a guy's kissing ass tr- to try to do something without also introducing the idea to viello that like hey this is also a threat yeah um I know there's a lot of symbology. I thought that there's like uh, the door to the shrine that his parents had built to Adam. Uh, They always framed it as like this big, these big cross structures with the no admittance. Right. Uh, And then like those cross structures uh, that those paneling on the doors had like very visible nails, Mm -hmm. like in the spot where if it was a cross, Jesus hands would be. And I think, you know, there's also uh, that reminded me a lot of Jesus saying that like, it's, it's easier for a, camel to squeeze through the an eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven like you know this like this is not the way to get into heaven this Mm -hmm. this relentless uh idolatry of another person this wallowing in grief uh because like you know among many other things that seems like if you're if you're so committed to your grief that you've had this 40-year ritual of like flogging yourself about it like how much hope for an eternal reward in heaven with your dead son do you actually have to be that absorbed to where it just consumes the rest of your life mm-hmm. also uh the only way the only reason they ha- can have this elaborate rituals is because they're so fucking fantastically wealthy mm-hmm. yeah. like a person that had to work a nine to five can't afford yeah. to wall uh, to to luxuriate and this depression and sadness the way they have mm-hmm. um, right and it's really pitiful to see these young nurses yeah. Just sitting there, also wasting their own life away. Yeah, identically dressed and like, yeah, it's, yeah, and just staring off in the middle distance. Yeah. Right, they're not doing it for pleasure like the no. butler is. <laughs> no, it's a hell of a way to make money. Um, right. Yeah, and just like, man, I just think like how powerful and wealthy like these. Like Sir John might be among other things like sixth in line to the throne of England mm-hmm. with how big their estate is and how much money they have to have to maintain yeah, 2, it. Twenty five hundred well. acre estate. Yeah, yeah. you, you forget gardens. that this is set in modern day because of all of this finery and yeah. and 
circumstance and pomp, you know. Like Lord Grantham and Until he mentions Abbey. Brexit at dinner, and I'm like, oh shit, right? Yeah, right. like I, was, I just kept <laughs> that thinking. <was> jarring. <laughs> I just kept thinking, like Lord Grantham, if he showed up at this estate in like 1920, would be like, my uh-huh. God, man, how do you afford to keep all these servants and stuff? <laughs> yeah. Like, let alone in 2020. Right. Oh, that's the other. What did he mean by Brexit? As uh, what do you say about Un- Brexit? Brett, uh-huh. it was unchristian. He, he or, said it was a, another small step towards the dechristianization of Europe. Mm-hmm. How? See, view that. I, as, I, I assume because the the church would lose some kind of influence over that portion of oh, right. what used to be the EU. Well, it's, it's like, oh, 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 I guess like if you're thinking that only Catholics are Christian. Well, no, then... I'm, I'm just thinking it's much, it's, I assume it's easier to uh-huh. to govern from a place of religion um, with a united set of peoples than it is yeah. to do so with a divided set. Right to say you're a you're a Catholic country uh, and lose a lot of your country, then you don't have the control over their you know upbringing. Their yeah, religion is not any stretch it, well, of imagination a Catholic country. No, no, no. It, well, they're yeah. a minority in that that country. Right, but but. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not sure how much power like the Vatican has over, you know, the EU in general. Right. But I assume that it this is making been. it more difficult. Like the yeah. separating of people is making yeah. it harder. Yeah. We're getting geared up for the sixth annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off badass season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre, We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was, and those of you who didn't, (laughs) now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Okay, I, does anyone have anything else to talk about? Because we have a little bit of interesting feedback to consider as well. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, you can send this. Is What is the email address? Is it, is it literally New, new, new Pope? Pope? Okay. The New Pope or New Pope? Just New Pope. Uh, if you want to send us feedback, you can do so. New Pope at... G-
If you want to see the, if you Jesus Christ. If you want to send this feedback, it's easy to do so. Just send us an email to newpope at baldmove.com. Here is the uh, emails we got this week. Nathan V says, I'm a grad student uh, studying medieval and early modern Europe with an emphasis on Italy. How fortuitous for our podcast. Mm -hmm. We want to talk about the concept of antipope. He says, this concept goes back to the third century CE, and there have been many antipopes in the past. This is different from the Coptic and Orthodox popes who are seen as the true authority in their respective religions. What Aaron said is basically correct. An anti well, thank you. Well, <laughs> an anti-pope would often rise at any time there is a disagreement between the faithful of whom the pope should be and someone other than the lawfully elected pope claiming the throne of St. Peter. To understand this, it's important to remember that basically everyone was Catholic in Europe, or Western and Central Europe at least, until the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century. Because of this, instead of leaving the religion, if there was a large enough group supporting someone, they could have a claim to the papacy. This happened famously when the Holy Roman Empire, in a bid for power throughout the 11th and 12th centuries, would always try to put forward their own pope whenever a pope died. Sometimes this worked, but sometimes it would lead to the emperor appointing their own pope, while the College of Cardinals appointed theirs. Both popes would excommunicate the other, with the pope Jesus. in Rome excommunicating the emperor for good measure. <laughs> oh, boy. The other most famous occurrence of this was during the Western Schism of 13... How, how do you resolve that? Do you just fight? A pro the just, war? Yeah, war. war. I don't know if, you heard, if, you've, if, if you're familiar with European history. Oh, yeah. Lots of war. Lots of war. <laughs> we like to talk about the Middle East being war-torn, but that's only because we've kind of sort of given up big, large-scale war in the last 80 years. Uh, the other most famous occurrence of this was during the Western Schism of 1378. There's a lot of history here, but basically what happened was there's a pope appointed in Avignon, France, and another appointed by a rival group of cardinals in Rome. This led to a third pope, the new new pope. Yeah, what do you call that? There's a pope, there's the anti-pope, and then there's... Uh, you got like the the you, middle pope yeah you got the the positronic pope the neutronic pope and the electronic pope uh, uh there's uh let's see uh this led to a third pope being appointed in pisa as well or maybe pisa it's pisa yeah leaning mm -hmm. tower of pisa yep the, the pisa pope the avignon and pisan popes are generally revered as anti-popes while the most famous being the one mentioned by aaron of benedict the 13th while it finally brought an end to the schism was an ecumenical council coming and basically deposing everyone and electing a brand new pope. Well, see, it's not always no war. No war? Uh, Damn, Martin, I'm disappointed. Uh, part, pope Martin V, who is generally regarded as a good middle ground, mm. Benedict refuses to resign, but his followers basically dwindled until he had very little real power. Anyway, with that history out of the way, I wanted to speculate a bit on how an anti-pope could play out in the show. Because of how the schism was ended in history, it would be interesting to see if something similar happens in the show. Basically, things happen like you all said it would, with Lenny rising from his deathbed to do battle with Brannix for hopefully the whole season. It would be <laughs> interesting if they did set up two different centers of power. I'm not sure how they could really resolve this without one of them dying or something, but it sure be a hell of a fun time to watch. Yeah, because yeah, Lenny is still have the London in Pope Rome, and right? The Roman Pope, yeah. Yeah, maybe he's he the Pope, is. and like, could could he agree to be Pope and then go back to England and? rule over the pat the the holy diocese and i don't know maybe i don't know i don't have enough catholic tradition hmm. uh but thank you for that nathan that was really interesting uh i appreciate especially the time where you said i was right uh <laughs> <laughs> do you guys think lenny comes back to life i hope so I, I, i'm not it's getting less and less sure in my mind as time goes on but i really hope so yeah, like my desire to see this anti-pope uh, go on is warring with my desire to see Lenny made a saint, and you can only do that mm -hmm. if you're dead. Yeah. So like, oh, the, actually, uh, 
Cardinal Newman was recently made a saint, very recently, October Ooh. of last year. Interesting. Yeah. What so I miracle? wonder if that influenced like the direction of this story. What was his so, miracle? Uh, I don't remember. He's the first cardinal to apply eyeliner. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah. You got it. Uh, I like to, he's the I like first to... cardinal to cut the eyes out of a painting and look through them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on to Sadie B's take. You guys, how leftovers were those shots of the people cut out? Uh, and uh, white it out. So weird. I absolutely agree that some, uh, somehow the show speaks to us atheists the same way the leftovers did. I've yet to meet anyone who gets leftovers the way we all do, and this show is doing it too. It's no leftovers, but it's punching me in the face similarly. Hmm. I don't know. I, I think a lot of religious folks got the leftovers, and last year, every time we, or not last year, four years ago, every time we talked about, like, are there Catholics watching the young Pope? We got lots of people said, yo, super Catholic, mm -hmm. loving the young Pope. I think that this show appeals to people that have wrestled with their faith and their understanding of the world. Like it probably yeah. is offensive to people who are dead sure that they're right and they understand everything because this show is not about being unequivocally correct in one way or another. No, I think this show is about questioning the status quo within the church and not necessarily pointing out that it is fundamentally flawed, but that a serious like reconciliation with itself needs to happen mm -hmm. and and i i don't know where they're going with it like i've said before but i'd imagine as a religious person you could probably appreciate what it's doing without being too offended if you're even the slightest bit open-minded yeah mm -hmm. and you know the things that they are depicting are you know for better or worse human yeah uh, last up, Andy Miller. Hey guys, love your show. I want to point out the similarities between the Islamic extremist as portrayed on the new Pope and Pope Lenny. They both refuse to show their faces when addressing a crowd. They both deliver very harsh and fundamentalist sermons. But rather than the extremist just copying Lenny's style, I hope the show uses the extremist to show how threatening and unnerving fundamentalist rhetoric sounds when it's coming <laughs> from the other side. Yeah. Oh, that's a solid point because... You know, we're kind of used to our versions of religious extremists and them talking about, I don't know, fucking starting another civil war and assassinating abortion doctors and, you know, burning Qurans and whatnot. But like, you know, the other side's crazies are dangerous and scary and the bridge too far. Mm -hmm. That I, I didn't have that take before this email, but that's that's a really good take. Yeah, I can imagine being a brown person anywhere else in the world and watching Fox News and just shitting my pants in fear. Yeah. yeah. Like, these are the rich elite people? Yeah. Like, I was thinking that I saw someone on Twitter that was going through um, a like, like some kind of street festival in California uh, during the weekend between, like, Trump bombing or assassinating the uh, uh, military so, yeah, of, of Iran and Iran's response. And they were playing Toby Keith's uh, Put a Boot in Your Ass. Oh, it's American way. And I'm like, imagine if you're happen to be an Iranian, uh, mm -hmm. you know, visiting the country, you're visiting your family and you're strolling around and you're hearing that song like, holy shit, that would be. A, but, you know, it's also a trip to go and see a big unruly crowd burning the America flag and shouting death to Americans. So it's a good point yeah, there, Andy. That's what I'm trying to say. Almost any unmoderated ideology is probably harmful. Yes, yes. Except for unrestrained moderation, <laughs> radical moderation is yes. what, I, what I subscribe to. <laughs> uh, all right, thank you for those thoughtful emails. If you would like to send us one, you can do so at newpope at baldmove.com. 
follow uh, all of us on social media or the whole kit and caboodle at all the social medias at bald move. Uh, we'll be back next week for episode three. Mm-hmm. Um, man, now that I know that they're out there in existence somewhere in the world, I kind of want to find them and watch them. I, I could make new Pope episode three and four happen, right? I have the technology. That's true. Ugh, the things could. I suffer for these podcasts. Look at me. I'm 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 put up <laughs> I'm crucified on, on this No, okay. Uh uh it's art. It's art. I'm creating art. Uh we'll be back next week with another episode of New Pope. Until then, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. I'm Cecily. See ya.